adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast, coming to you from within the tallest tower of a ruined Shadowfell keep. Uh, I'm your host, Connor O'Brien, and joining me as always is my co-host, Martin O'Dwyer. Hey, Connor, what's the crack? How's it going? Not too bad, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, some very, very cool stuff came out during the week that I'm sure we're going to talk oh, about. If, if you're anyway into, uh, if you're anyway uh, gothically inclined, uh, yes, this has definitely been your week. <laughs> this has definitely been your week for uh, for UA stuff. So yeah, they, they released the uh, the gothic lineages yeah. um, on, on Ornar Tharkana. Uh, first off, we've had since before Christmas, because um, they obviously took a break, I guess, for a while. Yeah, but, first, uh, yeah uh, we got we got three they're not quite races but they kind of also are they're called lineages but they're kind of like extensions to a race i guess uh, I think, uh so we have the i think it's one. um i think you remember reading something along the lines of in tasha's when they were they, they decoupled like your race from your ability scores and all that stuff um yeah. i remember um i think i read somewhere that they were saying going forward they won't be referring to as your race it'll be your lineage um, so I think these oh, okay. are these are these are so it, it is a race. So it's not referring to that. That's yeah. interesting to know. Actually, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, but because they, they, they definitely approach it from. Okay, when I say race, I'm talking about races in terms of how it has been up until now. But they've definitely approached it uh, in the same way that races have been, where they they're taking the Tasha's thing, where they're like uh, just pick two of one ability score and one in another. You know, plus two in this and plus one in something else. Mm. Um, which I think is a good approach. Um. But yeah, it's really interesting. So we've gotten three lineages now. We have the, the Dampier, mm-hmm. uh, the Hexblood, and the Reborn. Yeah. Um, so which is essentially like Dampier is kind of like a half vampire. Yeah. Uh, the Hexblood is like a hag offspring, I guess is kind of I, the best way of putting it. I'm looking at it like almost like a hag version of a tiefling. Yeah, yeah, actually very like that. Yeah, where like... Whereas a tiefling, they have some infernal heritage, so therefore they kind of exhibit those features. If you have some sort of like dark fey heritage, you exhibit something similar to that. Yeah, that's actually a very interesting way of putting them. And uh, and the reborn, which is essentially uh, a that... sentient ghoul or something. <laughs> yeah, it's your uh, it's your stock standard uh, self aware zombie. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, like, pretty cool. Uh, a la uh ghouls in fallout or uh warm bodies or something like that i, I don't know why my first um instinct was like uh, the guy with his mouth who gets his mouth stitched shut in hocus pocus <laughs> oh yeah i did oh it's so good i'm so, oh that'd be so good uh i actually had a couple my, my immediate thought because they do mention that your body is like potentially being stitched together from other parts and stuff frankenstein. So obviously Frank- frankenstein's monster was like one of the first things that come to mind uh but also i thought like i zombie as well do you watch i zombie i've never no i've never it's it's really really good. It might still be on Netflix. Um, it's a really good show. I really enjoy it. Even if it is, it's a little bit silly, and it, as it goes on, it doesn't. It goes from like maybe like a three on the silly scale to like a solid six on the silly scale, but it never goes any deeper than that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's really good because she's obviously undead, and she needs to feed on brains to stay to stay lucid. Mm. Otherwise, she'll start going into proper decrepit, uh, monstrous zombie. Um, that's more the show. The show. The show is quite different from the comics uh, of the same name, but uh, it's really, really cool. I, I, I really thought of something like that would be awesome. But yeah, oh my god, the guy from Hocus Pocus. Uh, yeah, I know why it was my first. Billy, wasn't it? Like, yeah, Billy. Uh, like I've, yeah. I've seen so much zombie media. Like the, literally the last ten years of pop culture has basically been zombie media and nerd culture, and like. Oh. Uh, to the point where actually I'm literally just completely uninterested in anything zombie related now, which is why the new Resi looks so great to me. 
It could have just been like that, fuck zombies, vampires. Yeah, <laughs> Which, by the way, is like such a hard left turn, but also oh, I'm not, I, my brain isn't rejecting it. You know when you hear something and you're like, that's not right. No, my brain is like, this makes sense for so because Resident Evil, because it's already ridiculously convoluted. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Vampires, let's go. Yeah, I, like, oh god, I just love the I love as well. It's hilarious to me because right. So what? My literally my favorite game franchise of all time is Devil May Cry, and Devil yep. May Cry was born out of an attempt to make a, a Resi Three, but it was way too supernatural. It was like literally had like demons and stuff in it. And Capcom were like, not really Resi, but we do yeah. like this. So how about you go and make this its own thing? And now, well, that was back when Resi was still yeah, zombies yeah. and not. Uh, and even then, I think by the time Resi Three came around, they they had a few. Had the hunters and a few other Nemesis things that were starting well. to make an appearance. It was starting to get a bit weird. Uh, yeah, there was Mister X in um, in Re- Resi Two, sure. The Titans. That was two, and then they had uh, who was the guy in three? That I believe three is Nemesis, isn't it? Nemesis, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, what if we had like an eight foot tall zombie and he had a machine gun? Why not? Yeah, <laughs> he's a flamethrower at one stage as well. I remember in a he rocket does, launcher. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, Jesus. Um, what were we even talking? Oh yeah, that's why zombies, undead, reborn, yeah, zombies. Yeah, gothic races, yeah. cool. Um, just tra- trace it back. Yeah, trace, trace it back. It back. Uh, I think out of all of them, just looking at them, like in terms of like flavor, the hex blood really intrigues me. But like mechanically, I really, really like the dampier. Same. I like that. I like the. A, I think the dampier pairs. So I, I had a plan, a backup character essentially for um, our friend Gavin's campaign. If my current character Ren dies. There is a blood hunter half vampire i wanted to play i was just going to homebrew it and i was just going to play pick like a high elf or uh possibly a shadow kai and just say look can we just say that he's half vampire um and i'm not like burning in the sun but i'm uncomfortable in the sun um and i, I don't need to drink blood but if i do i get a bit of a high off of it you know and i kind of kind of very light stuff nothing too mechanically hard mm. but this actually means that i could potentially play yeah a full-on half vampire now um and also the way they have an ability. They pull it up here. So there's an ability for this particular uh, lineage where they have a vampiric bite. You can bite someone. Constitution is your attack and damage modifier. It's a D4 damage, which isn't a lot, but you do add the con on top of it. So, you know, potentially like nine damage maximum uh, by a standard rules. Uh, but there's a thing then when you hit someone, yes. you can do one of two things. Either you regain the hit points dealt uh, <clears throat> pardon me, from the bite. Uh, which means you could be gaining health back, drinking someone's blood like a vampire. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Or gain a bonus to the next ability check or attack roll you make. Uh, and the bonus equals the damage dealt yeah. by the bite. That means that like it's almost that ties in so well with a blood hunter. For me, you're, you're kind of almost using the blood you've drawn from your enemy to enhance your mm-hmm. next your follow up attack. And I think it's, it's, uh, thematically it just fits fits yeah. so well. I think like pairing a half vampire with something that literally does hemomancy, like blood magic, mm. is just it's such a natural pairing. Like, yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's uh, that's that's really cool for me that I now have that. Also, uh, if you he also has another ability which is spider climb. Yes, um, and it, that's not so just cool. having a climbing speed. It actually specifically says you can move across vertical surfaces and upside down along ceilings while leaving your hands free. You're essentially David Bowieing that shit. Uh, it's very. Uh, have you read like OG Dracula, like the Bram Stoker novel Dracula? I have not. So there's a there's a part in Dracula where um, Jonathan Harker is in Dracula's castle, um, and like he's beginning to suspect that something is up. And at one point he looks out his window and he looks up at. I think he look like. I'm probably not going to be exact here because it's been maybe five years since I read Dracula. Um, but like he uh, looks out his window one night and he looks up at the tower where um, the 
uh, where the count is is uh, is supposed to be sleeping, and he sees him like lean out the window, and then like a lizard on all fours with his fingers and toes crawl like vertically down the um the tower, and that's when he's like, oh god, what the hell's going on here? Uh, oh, and then he meets like the his three dog, the three <coughs> female members I think that are like eating babies and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's Dracula, great book. Can really see why it literally kicked off an entire subculture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's very cool. I'm. Uh, Alucard is the first person that jumps to mind, mm-hmm. but then again, the character I'm I wanted to play was based very much based on Alucard. Uh, um, there's a there's a great anime from like I, I'd say it must be like very early two thousands or late nineties called Helsing, um, and it's I've heard ma- of it. its main character is Dracula. He's called Alucard. Like his name is Alucard, and he's like mm. uh, he's essentially like bound in service to the this lady called um, Integra who is a sorry 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 integra and she's the head of the integra family and they're basically like mi6 for vampires goose ghouls ghosts and goblins and all that kind of stuff and he just wanders around with like mad vampiric powers and pistols that no literal human could wield like the the pistol is like this long He's like walking around. Showed the Simpsons when he's like, McBain, that hand cannon in registration. If I hear we go by the book, and he's like, by book, and shoots <laughs> the book. book. Yeah, <laughs> if you change that into like a modern, like Glock looking, like semi automatic pistol, that's what this dude is carrying around. And man, if you're if you're into vampires and stuff like that, and this dampier stuff, uh, it kind of speaks to you. I would recommend giving Helsing a watch because uh, that's a great uh, spin on that character. Um, I just a uh, bit grim as well though. Um, so if uh, if you're sensitive to things like that, uh, just fair warning. Yeah. <laughs> no, like it's I, it's it get there's a couple episodes that are very grim, very. Have grim. you? I don't want to get too into it. Okay, I'm not. I, I refuse to get too into this. But <laughs> I've I've a, I've an awful story uh, about uh, how grim enemies can be sometimes. Uh, have you ever watched uh, Goblin Slayer? I. Sh- for like the last, yeah. for like the last thirty seconds in my head, I was going. He's going to say Goblin Slayer to me. <laughs> I, okay, so here's the thing, right? I've never watched Goblin Slayer. Just on, no. I, don't, just and don't. I, I don't plan to. Um, but I, I was getting a lot of Crunchyroll ads on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, and they're like, oh, this, this is the big anime. This is a new anime. It's very popular. Blah blah blah. So I'm getting lots of it. And all the clips I'd seen were basically a guy in a suit of armor uh, going through a cave, absolutely massacring goblins. Um, and I thought, wow, this looks pretty metal. It's pretty. It's one of. These, it's definitely one of these gory animes, a bit like Attack on Titan, it's where you see a lot of very, stuff like that. very explicit. Is the is the word? Incredibly, I incredibly. But uh, and I'm I'm not a super anime fan. There's a handful I, I am watching and I'm trying to get into, but I'm not. I by no means a super anime fan. Uh, my friend Aaron, uh, who lives over in Canada, is though. And Aaron, if there's an, Aaron, is constantly watching some new anime and and going through it and reading manga and stuff like that. So I said, I was talking to him one day, I'm like, hey, have you seen this Goblin Slayer thing? I, I'm seeing a lot of it online. It looks like it's pretty popular. And he's like, I haven't actually. I'm like, you should watch it probably and see what it's like. It seems like people are into it. And then he's like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a try. So uh, they didn't have a TV in their house over. They, he has himself and like three or, two or three roommates. Uh, and he's in the living room. And he just has a laptop and they have a projector on a big on a big um, no. empty wall. <laughs> you see where this is going? I know because uh, I because so. I oh god like I wouldn't 
before the anime there was a manga account and then there was all the hype about the manga because there's like some there's some very D&D elements to this world it's very heavily oh yeah it's, D&D it's very much influence. a party of adventurers oh, yeah. going and fighting goblins and which like, is a, a, a kind of D&D literally cro- there's a thing. guild where different classes come and they start out getting sent out on really low rank missions and then they rank up and then they get higher level missions and they go fighting things like dragons and other world lender stuff and the whole gimmick of the show is this guy goblin slayer is a high ranking high to mid ranking uh, hero but all he does is kill goblins for backstory reasons and like I was like oh that's cool and then I went and watched the show and like yeah it's just grim man it's just so grim and there's some well, issues he like yeah so again I'm not going to get too into it but mm. the uh, so Aaron was setting up to watch it he had his laptop in the projector and he's about to put it on and try and watch it for the first time uh, his roommate comes in and goes what are you doing and he's just like oh I'm just going to start watching this new anime it's called Goblin Slayer or whatever and his roommate's like his roommate doesn't watch anime, so his roommate's kind of like, is anime not like, is that not with all like weird like, it's not like big titty kind of like sexualizing all women and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, no man, honestly, there, there's some of that, but like there is other animes that are not at all like that, you know. Um, and he was like, here, sit down with me and watch this one and, and see what you think. Uh, so and again, I had never seen this. I suggested it to him purely because it just seems like the thing people were talking about at the time. Uh, and Aaron sits down. They watch, and the first episode opens with a very gruesome, uh, like goblins killing people and, and stabbing and, and massacring people. There's also like a really like an unnecessarily uh, graphic. Uh, like graphic is the word, yeah. An unnecessarily graphic like sexual assault scene in the first episode. Uh, and so of course Aaron's like Connor what have you done to me because he just told his roommate that's not what anime is and this is the first episode of anime his roommate ever watches completely proves him wrong and he messages me the next day and he's like what the fuck was that and I'm like what do you mean and he's like the very first episode had this and I'm like no I mean it's gory but it's not. he's like no no this actually happened and I'm like I'm so sorry. I just I just suggested it because people seem to like it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I read the manga when it came out, and like you know, when it's a manga, all you hear is oh yeah, it's good, man. Or like you might see the odd panel of like a cool moment, um, and then I was like oh yeah, this sounds and like oh, it seems D and D. I'll read this, and then I got to that bit in the in the in the chapter, and I was like cool i'm gonna go and i think i'm gonna try my hero academia or something <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, uh it's yeah it's incredible like yeah uh, i uh, it, yeah so D&D. We're, getting, we're getting massively distracted from uh the point of this oh, but uh but yeah that's just a, fu- a, a funny story about how i made my friend aaron look like an awful person in front of his roommate i just oh my god <laughs> yeah anyone who, anyway, anyone who D&D. only listens to this is going to miss out on just the horrendous second-hand embarrassment face, facial expressions I was making for the entire time you were telling that story. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Anyway, D&D. Yeah. Um, so, segue. Uh, but yeah, so... So uh, today D&D we're talking about goblins. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're definitely uh, although not. I, I, can talk, actually, I can talk about kobolds. I can talk I some stuff about kobolds we can talk about later. Um, so yeah so basically that's a dampier uh which i think is very cool i'm super into because again i've had ideas about half vampires mm-hmm. uh there, there's you could play a full vampire but there's a lot of stuff like sunlight sensitivity uh the necessity um, to be the, evil yeah turning it yeah exactly yeah t- getting bumps to your decks and strength up to like 16 i think it is uh and also turning into a mist when you die which is like it, it would definitely if any one player in the party was to play that it would definitely put them above the rest of the players which wouldn't necessarily be fair mm. um you'd need to have like now i want to be a werewolf and i want to be a vampire and i want to be a lich <laughs> yeah exactly if, if you had an entire party of stuff like that that's yeah. fine 
but uh, but not it, it wouldn't be fair otherwise. So this is like a really nice kind of compromise that still allows players to be get that vampire feel, but also not uh, not have to play something that that's mechanically broken. Ooh, uh, oh my god, you can play Blade now! Oh my god, <laughs> you could totally play Blade. Yeah. Oh my god, Blade. How, how do I... There's some here that I'm just not getting. We got Billy and we got Blade. Those, those are two people I did not list. Give me, on. give me a second. Um, I'll come up with a zombie, and I'll come up with a with a witch with a bee name as well. Uh, Bet Sheba from The Conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did, uh, Get I in do, there. Actually, I have one. I have one for the hex blood. So okay. The hex blood being kind of like the, uh, like you said, it's it's like Ooh. the tiefling equivalent, but instead of uh, 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 fiends, mm -hmm. words. God damn it. Instead, of, it's too early in the podcast for me to already not be able to speak. Uh, instead of fiends, it's with fae, like a like dark fae, like hags and stuff. Um, have you ever played Dragon Age? No, but I have heard you there. talk about it many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so, in, in the first game, and this character re is reoccurring a little bit, but mostly in the first game, she's a companion, and her name is Morrigan. Um, named, of course, for the uh, uh, Irish uh, Celtic goddess mm -hmm. of, uh, of war and death. Um, so, her name is Morrigan. Um, and you find her fairly early on in the game, so it's a second companion you don't find, a third companion you find. Um, and she's living in I want to, some sort of swamp, the Kakari Wilds or something like that, uh, with her mother, Flemeth. And Flemeth is, uh, is a, a world-renowned witch. She's been alive for centuries, even though she appears to be human. There's loads of mystery around her. When you meet her, she's just a belligerent old woman. Um, but her daughter lives with her, and basically, Morrigan is like... If I, I, I could be wrong on some of this. I looked up some of it today just to kind of refresh my memory, but I haven't played Dragon Age 1 in a while. There is like a whole plot, a subplot, where Flemeth only has supposedly had dozens of daughters, or hundreds even of daughters. She always sires daughters. Uh, but the purpose of having a daughter is that when her body becomes too old, she takes her daughter's body, and she's now young and beautiful again. So she always sires these beautiful uh, daughters, teaching them very good magic, and then once her body gets really old, she's like, cool, I guess I'll just move into this new thing, like a hermit crab. Um, <laughs> oh, God, that's, that's a horrific visual. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Morgan kind of came to mind about the, the hex blood. Like, you know, you could be someone who was like, oh, my mother is a hag. She made me or whatever or mm -hmm. maybe stole me from a family uh, a happy family because she needed a daughter to raise or like um, there's some tangled there's some really good prompts in that for the hex blood in because they've uh, for, with all of these they've uh, d8 tables where you can roll yeah uh, i think it's like flaws and origins the hex blood ones have some really cool ones you just remind me of what you were saying there um, and the very first one is seeking a child your parent made a bargain with a hag you are the result of that arrangement uh, I think that's one of the probably that that's where my mind went immediately. Like uh, your parents couldn't conceive, so they they made a deal with a hag. The hag allowed it to happen, mm -hmm. but the deal is, oh, when your daughter turns sixteen or whatever, she comes to live with me, and then that's maybe how you're born, or how you kind of end up with her. There's also uh, fake kidnappers swapped you and your parents' child. That's a thing from like old folk folklore. Yeah, yeah, changelings. Yeah, changelings used to be swapped in and out. Uh, from and they take the other baby away and they just leave a, a doppelganger child there. I just had a flashback to literally one of my most embarrassing moments in college. Do you want to hear about it? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so I think it was like my second or third week in first year in college, and we were doing um, this was the Irish Literary Revival, and we were doing Gates, and we were talking about like Irish folklore and stuff, and we were talking about changelings. And uh, the lecturer goes, "Does anyone here know what a changeling is?" And me, being the fucking Celtic mythology nerd here, went, mm -hmm. "I do." 
and uh, she goes, would you like to explain to the crowd uh, what the change, what you are the change thing is? And uh, this was like a big lecture, so it was like, I think there was like two hundred people in the lecture. Yeah, so it's a full hall, like yeah. yeah, yeah. And I put my hand, and I was like, oh yeah. So a changeling is when the fairies would take a baby and they would swap, they would swatch, they would, they would swap the child with a fairy, and then there's the whole hall just like erupted in laughter, and I was just like. Sinking. You just fumbled the words like three times. So, like, in my head, I had the same sentence, two of the same sentence going at the same time, and it was they switch the baby with a fairy and they oh, swap they a baby with the fairy. And my brain went and put them together. And I went, okay. this, this, they, uh, it's when they swatch the baby with a, with a fairy. <laughs> I was like, oh. Even now, I'm like, oh, I can feel that in my bones. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, when you relive a horrific moment and you just have to share it with someone. I've now decided to share that with the internet. We've now both just told two embarrassing stories. Uh, you're welcome, internet. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> this is just very rapidly descending into our therapy now. Uh, I, I I have a prediction that at some point this podcast will just descend into it'll be like first it's D and D, then it's like a D and D and gaming podcast, then it's just a general nerd podcast, and after a while it's just the two of us. <laughs> telling shit stories about one another <laughs> uh, that episode like 100 will be like hey look we've given up on D&D we're just gonna talk absolute shit about each other for an hour and a half oh god do we just change the channel name from the Mike Flares podcast to this just look this shit happens <laughs> it'll it'll be the it'll be the us Flares podcast because we're constantly flaying ourselves with bad stories so Hexblood <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah sorry yeah um, uh, yeah but just all of them uh, for the reborn, I don't know if you've seen it, but any any anime fans out there that have seen um, Tokyo Ghoul, I wasn't thinking Tokyo Ghoul. No, um, but, but that is also a good one. Um, why can I literally not think of it now? Um, Soul Eater. Have you seen I'm Soul not Eater? With Soul Eater. Uh, Soul Eater's Soul Eater's pretty cool. It's a uh, it's sort of like um, Naruto ish, where it's like everyone. Oh, there's a group of like like early teen children who are uh, Shinigami they're death gods they're Grim Reapers and they go to Grim Reaper High to learn to be better Grim Reapers and go out and, and <laughs> so many bloody yeah. animes are like oh yeah you go to a high school but for this very specific thing no it's not I don't think it's called that but yeah it's basically Grim Reaper High um, which is taught by death and they go out and they fight witches and monsters and stuff um, but uh, there is one of the I think he's one of the teachers in it um, I think his name is Dr. Stein or no <laughs> or or Frankenstein Dr. Frankenstein but he's he's basically yeah he's basically like a scientist he's got a bolt in his head that goes through here and sticks out here a little bit like it's like literally this big like compared to his head um, and he like uses weird electrical powers and that's immediately what I thought of when I thought of the reborn because he is all like stitched together and stuff and like when he gets hearty like stitches himself back together and all this kind of stuff that could be actually if you played like uh, a reborn like and go like lean properly into the Frankenstein thing of it uh, play a reborn and then go storm sorcerer and just imagine that when they use lightning to like power you and bring you back to life a lot of that lightning stayed in your system oh that's such a good oh my god that's such a good character really cool. oh my god and you've like a built in villain in your story then it's just the person who made you yeah, I'm, di I'm dying to play a storm sorcerer I don't know why I just really want to they're not even a particularly powerful class I just think it's a really cool flavor to be like Thunder, wind, lightning, you know, oh, so cool. Hell yeah, hell yeah. You literally pl could play Storm from the X-Men because it's a sorcerer too, so your magic is, is from within, it's yep. inborn, and you can just totally reflavor that as a mutant gene. Absolutely. <coughs> uh, and you get you get all your sleet storms and everything yeah. else along with it. So, so, yeah. 
Should we, um, I suppose, should we actually like talk about what we're supposed to be talking about yet, or do you want to just show it around about what we've been watching on TV for another <laughs> bit? <laughs> I mean, again, uh, it, I, I feel the podcast is going to descend to that eventually, but maybe we could like, uh, yeah. we could try to fight it for now. We'll fight the urge for now, yeah, we'll, we'll, and eventually we'll be worn down. We, like, to be fair, we did talk about a little about DD there, just we just mixed in like a fairly hefty amount of bullshit with that, so you know, that's I yeah, feel like I feel like that's, that's fine. I feel like that's kind of our brand at this point. Yeah, exactly. I, I think we're, we're still cultivating our brand, but you know what? If that's our brand, I'm fine with it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. shall we actually yes. get down to business and talk about what we were supposed to be talking about? Let's get down to business. You, you prompted me. I know. Uh, so, yeah. So, what we're going to talk about this week, actually. No, we, we fin- quite no, 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 no. Stop. Finish it. Who's going to be? Who's going to stop the Huns? Come on. To defeat the Huns. There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, last week we talked... Uh, almost exclusively, I think, about our, our homebrew worlds and our processes for like uh, uh, how we go about homebrewing things, ideas, like little tips and stuff like that. Uh, definitely check it out if you're interested. Yeah. That's almost like a part one to what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, we did a bit of a chat uh, as well about people we thought did it particularly well and give some good yeah. examples and like why we thought they did it well too. Um, so yeah, absolutely, that was a lot of fun. Uh, this this week, I thought we would uh, we do something similar, but a bit more specific, a bit less general, a bit more specific. Um, Obviously, myself and Martin have been DMing for a while each now. Uh, we've cultivated a lot of ideas. Some of them we've implemented in our world. Others we have not. Um, some we may never implement. We just think, hey, this is a funny, good idea. Someone should do it sometime. Um, and I obviously thought this would be a very freeform thing where we'll just bounce back and forth. Yeah. Here's an idea I had for a thing in my world. Uh, brief explanation or whatever. And we'll just kind of go bounce off each other and see where the conversation leads us. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm so down. I've, uh... You know, like podcasting. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm gonna. I've got. Uh, oh, excuse me, Jesus. Uh, sorry, my body is refusing to obey me today. Um, so I've got a. I've got a couple of cool little homebrew stuff that I've made pulled up on my screen here. Um, oh, oh God! I thought you'd go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll talk about one first. It, it isn't super powerful, and I just actually quite like it, and it does tie actually tie in. It's a. It's a magic item that was created out of necessity because I had created a faction that uses it. Um, and I've told you about this before. This is a this is a, a magic item that I call the anglerfish mask. Um, so it's yeah. basically a, it's a mottled grey plain. It's a plain looking mottled grey mask, aside from a, a single roughly marble sized burning green gem. Bang right there in the middle. Um, and while you wear this mask, um, you have advantage on perception checks while you are in a shadowed area. So it's a, oh yeah because obviously it's like uh, oh sorry and um, apologies I how did I miss the last line of this damn thing uh, but while wearing this mask you advantage on perception checks while you're standing in a shattered area and also gain dark vision up to sixty feet if you didn't have it before. That's pretty cool. Do you only have the dark vision while you're in a shadowed area? Well, that's what's uh, better because no, you'll only be using it while you're in a shadowed area. <laughs> so the, the sorry I probably phrased that poorly for D and D but uh, it's it's there are two separate features you get if you do not have dark vision it gives you dark vision up to sixty feet um, and if you uh, and uh, if you're in an area of shadow and you make a perception check it gives you advantage on it and yeah it's a uh, it's it comes from I had a. A faction in a, a place I brought uh, myself and Connor have actually brought up a couple of times on the podcast so far. It's a, a my sea elf kingdom called the Sirith Lowry. Um, and I was designing a, like a essentially like a thieves guild or a, like a, a mark skill, something like kind of just your, your stock standard like criminal criminal underground kind of faction who kind of like like the like the was it the clasp in Critical Role? Yes. Yeah. yeah like the clasp in the myriad. Um and like. The story, I came up with the name first, right? So this is how I actually 
probably a good way to explain it considering we're talking about world building is um, I had wanted to come for the fashion and I was like thinking around the sea term and I was like okay they're like sneaky they ambush people they kind of they, they do like they do a lot of your standard kind of like like a thieves guild stuff like you know the intimidation rackets protection rackets all that kind of stuff um assassinations so i was like what would be a good one for those and i was just thinking about it i was like oh anglerfish are cool they like live down in the dark they lure people in with that they lure prey in with that like glowing light and then they yeah yeah, and then they jump out of the darkness and attack and like as soon as i thought about that then i had an idea for the mask um and the lore reason for it and also the way they got their that um particular faction got their name the anglers um is basically they used um like essentially like bioluminescent glow lights and they sort of like um i was taking a bit of inspiration from um hannibal where he uh tied uh i think it was like torches to the horns of bulls um and marched them with his army at night to give an impression that his army was bigger than it was when he was marching on rome that's really cool um so i had a thing where they they either used torches or they used like bioluminescent stuff they picked up um just because they're underwater and put that and put that to the north um at, like uh, at, at when they when they at your at night and that made it look like they were attacking from the north but instead attacked from the west and then like overtook them and they did it in the dark wearing these masks and uh partly splinter cell inspired as well you might have guessed it like the single glowing <laughs> yeah. green thing um but yeah that's been a that's been pretty popular um with my with my players and i was like i just really liked it as well because like i like the anglers i think that's a pretty i, I think they were a pretty cool faction it was like the first proper faction i designed as well so i was quite happy with it, how it came out that's right i do like uh putting a, a nautical i don't know why nautical thematic stuff really gets me it just does um like you obviously did your your i think that was like your first arc wasn't it in around uh, first uh, uh yeah it was the it was it was, it was like my their second proper arc but it was their it was their first one out of your your basic you're in the city the watchers then have three missions where you pick a mission go complete the yeah, mission yeah. come back um, and yeah pretty much straight after that this was then kicked into their first proper mission and a uh, proper uh arc and also a backstory arc for a player that's really good like i just it, it's a it's a really flavorful thing and you made obviously a whole city that's half half above water half below water because it's, it's a it's a cl city and stuff like that um and i think that i've always when you first mentioned the anglers as a as a group of like criminals to me i was like oh that's so damn cool i love that <laughs> oh thank you uh what about yourself i'm, I'm sure you've got uh actually I'm, I'm very curious to see what you have because i might learn something about our current campaign <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe okay so i have a lot of stuff here i just have i just have a, a long note i just scribble stuff down every time i have an idea most most of these i've not implemented in the world uh they're just ideas i have for things i can put in if i want to um okay do you want a, a potion a magic item uh, a monster, uh, a cantrip, uh, or just some lore stuff. I'm a fiend for lore, but the cantrip, uh, the cantrip for some reason is appealing to me right now. I'm curious. Okay. Uh, I'll give you two that I have here. Mm-hmm. Um, two for the price of I- one on Mike Flair's podcast. Buy one get one free. Come along. <laughs> I haven't I haven't spec them out properly yet, but uh, basically. Uh, one of them is I, I wanted um, first of all I wanted more melee cantrips so that if you're playing something like an Eldritch Knight or something like that you, you have more value in it you have more options to pick from uh, it's only about three or four proper melee spells you can use um, so I have an idea for a melee fire one keep in mind my world is a little bit in, a little bit industrialized not heavily but a little bit there are trains there are airships um, there are like factories and stuff like that uh, so I had an idea for a 
a melee fire one that's essentially like a, a blowtorch, uh, cool. where you can spark up like a, almost like a dagger, a dagger length blade of fire, oh, and you could swipe at someone. That's cool. That's real cool. Uh, but also, I got an idea like put a, you know, the cantrips typically have a damage thing, and then they're also like also it has this secondary effect. The secondary effect of this is that uh, over X amount of time, you can carve through however many inches of metal. Oh, cool! Very. So um, you, it's very lightsaber. Yeah, a little bit. I, I'm actually the, the specific idea I got it from is uh, season three of Legend of Korra. Uh, Mako yes. uh, makes a blade and he tries to cut his way out of the Earth Kingdom prison. Um, but and he's there for a while. He he's even like he's like doing this and he's moving through it. And I tell you, actually stops for a second and shakes his hand out like he's tired from straining his hand. And he keeps going then. And then I'm like, I'd like it to be like you can get through. I don't know. Uh, for every minute you spend, you can get through an inch or something like that. Maybe that may be too much, but if you it'd wanted... be enough that like you could eventually cut a hole big enough for you to climb through, you know, like a circular hole. But you could be there for an hour, you know. It'd be cool. Um, I know idea I had just when you when you mentioned that, just tying it back to the macro thing, where you kind of had to take a break for a second, like shake yeah. it, shake his hand out. You could tie that to constitution in that you could say that you can use this to cut through. Um, you could use it to cut, cut through solid metal at a rate of. Uh, minutes times your constitution modifier. That's not a bad idea, yeah. And uh, then, like, then you just have to, cool, actually, yeah. you just have to, like, stop and take a break for, like, 15, 20 minutes, kind of recover your energy, and then yeah. you're good to go again. Yeah. It's, uh, again, it's just, it's just in the interest of having something that feels a little bit industrialized, but also um, fill, fulfilling that role of, uh, of having uh, more melee cantrips, more melee uh, stuff. I have a second one as well. Um, <laughs> I do, okay, this is a working a working title for the name, so don't judge me just yet. Okay. Uh, it's called. Uh, it was a little bit is Fallout inspired. Okay. Uh, so there's a weapon in Fallout called the Power Fist. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't you fucking laugh. <laughs> so this one's called the it's called the Steam Power Fist, and it's basically it's a D12 damage. Uh, it's just melee damage or or bludgeoning damage. It's not force or anything like that. But the idea is that um, do you ever see Bridge to Terabithia? Yes, <laughs> there's a bit in that where they're playing, they're in the imaginary, they're in Terabithia, and they're fighting some creatures. And the boy kind of looks down at his hand, and as he rolls his hand like that into a fist, all these like pieces of metal and pistons and gears like appear and, and fold around his hand, uh, and he basically punches the creature. And I always thought that looked, the animation of that looked insane. So what basically what it is is it's it's like you're it's a conjuring kind of thing. You're summoning a gauntlet with all these pistons and gears on it. And it gives you like a power punch. There's a there's a weapon in Fallout called uh, the the Power Fist. I I need to Google uh, something because it's reminding me of something. I think you you'd actually really like it. And it's probably a good thing to look at. Um, but continue. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just a it's basically some melee attack. It does a D12 damage because I figured one I D12s don't get used enough in D and D. Uh, and two, uh, because it's like a it's a five foot range. You know, you have to do it on someone who's right up on you. Um, I figure that. You can you can let it go to and it's only it is magical so it would overcome resist resistances and stuff like that mm. but it's still just uh, flat bludgeoning damage so it's nothing particularly special I just think, I just love the visual of it where you're summoning maybe all these spectral pistons and cogs and they form a, a, a gauntlet around your hand and then you can strike someone with it and maybe the secondary effect is if you know if they fail a save they get pushed back or something like that as well like five feet. No, that I, I love that visual, yeah, the, the like see like 
particularly that whole thing of like you roll in your hand and like it forms yeah no, it's it's all like appearing as you roll it and you're you have it's it's like a full plate armor gauntlet but then there's like cogs and pistons on the wrists and stuff yes. like that and yes um i'm okay I, i'll send it to you afterwards but um have you watched any one piece uh no i have not uh i would i can fairly confidently say that i think one piece possibly is the best world building of any anime going that's high praise uh i think like, a lot of people would agree with me to be honest um it's an incredibly lively living breathing world and everything feels like it's going on even without characters it's it's just really really good world building everything feels very real and like they kind of fairly often because it's, it's a whole thing the whole point of the show is adventuring to try and find this thing called the grand blue which is like this giant sea i think and and to um, find the one piece which is like the pirate king's treasure you find one piece you are the pirate king um but there, right. in one piece there are these things called devil fruits and there are these like mystical fruits where if you eat one it will give you specific powers um and there is a like, there is a character in it who ha who you immediately you reminded me of with that cantrip and he's called uh eustace kid and he's got like uh i think it's like magnetism powers and like when he goes into a fight he does that he goes like like that and then like metal just tears itself out of the walls and the ground and forms like a giant arm around his fist yeah um and like oh yeah uh if if you're if you want to make a, a kind of a pirate style campaign actually i would say get yourself into one piece ichiro oda mm -hmm. is such a good world builder and his characters are really really charming and like just the level of um connectivity between everything and like everything feels connected but also everything feels like it could exist on its own like you could uh, you could do a whole show just on one of these islands and it would still work but there's like it, it's amazing and he's been doing it for decades at this stage like one piece is still going <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it like, that's that anime's been around for like a while like like you can tell how long it's been around if you watch it because the first episodes are in the style of like a late 90s early 2000s anime and then as you go yeah. you can literally see technology get better as you watch the show that's how long this man has been doing great world building it, if yeah i could not recommend more if you're doing anything nautical themed or pirate themed in particular Jiro oda one piece read it i'll definitely have a look at it i know i think i want to say mike dressed up as yes main character. mike absolutely Not loves <laughs> one piece he absolutely yeah. loves it that's very cool. Uh, it's it's going to be another Naruto situation with this like nine hundred episodes, isn't it? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> one piece, uh, one piece outran Naruto. <laughs> it's still what? <laughs> it's oh, still. Okay. Oh, hang on. Let me let me do some googling and we find it. Just hang on. You you you, you continue. I'll find out how many okay, episodes okay. there I'll are. Give, and I'll, how give many you, I'll give you something else I got here. Let me see. Go what I got. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, here's one actually that you've actually you've seen already, uh, but. Um, I gave it to uh, <laughs> how many episodes? Nine hundred and thirty-one. Oh god, no, thank you. Um, I will. I'll if ever if ever I find myself at the time, maybe. But I gotta uh, get through eight hundred episodes in Naruto first. So. Yeah, and then there's Naruto. Uh, and that and yeah, and knowing me, like I'll probably be so obsessed with it afterwards. I would like, well, I might as well continue with the Boruto. So yeah, sorry. Go um, on. Um, I, I'll give you one after this, though. So. So here's here's one you've actually seen before. So I I played Assassin's Creed Syndicate. How long ago? Uh, it doesn't matter. I uh, like not maybe the last couple of years. Um, for the first time, really enjoyed it. Um, loves the it, like that's like the most most modern those games have gotten. That that you're obviously not in the present day with like yeah, uh, yeah in terms of like games. a main storyline. Yeah, that's the most modern. Yeah. I think. Uh, so 
Uh, so I really wanted, they have a grappling hook gauntlet mm. in that, where you can get onto rooftop super easy, they shoot a little wire up, and then it's got like a spool, and it just pulls them up onto a roof. <laughs> uh, it's, a great, it's a great mechanic in the game. Um, <laughs> you're, uh, you're like English Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Gotham by Gaslight. <laughs> Brit, um, Britman, away! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, basically, yeah, so the idea was, I wanted to make a grappling hook, like a grappling hook gauntlet, but... And I thought about, okay, well, what if it, like, fires this? Or how can I make it steampunky so it fits in a fantasy world? And I kept thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, okay, I don't want it to be a a physical thing. It should be a magical thing. It's a D&D world. So, I thought with a mage hand cantrip. And you'll know this because uh, Aerith, who is uh, the Wood Elf uh, Bloodhunter in our current campaign, uh, has one of these. And it's basically a gauntlet. And it looks very much like one of the gauntlets from Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, it fits over the wrist. I think it's on his left hand. I can't remember. Um, it fits over your hand, though. And then when you want to grappling hook to something, there is no spool, no hook, no wire. What happens is you basically put your hand up, and out of your hand comes a spectral mage hand attached to a spectral chain that runs back to you. And that hand flies out 30 feet or whatever it is, grabs onto the, the ledge or wherever you want to go, and then pulls you to that ledge along this spectral chain. So there's That's no spool, cool. nothing. It's all manifested in that split second, um, and nothing needs to retract or wind up or anything like that. Um, and I thought and it, it can also cast. You can cast Mage Hand while you have it on you as well, which is just a little side thing. So I felt like that made sense. <laughs> but um, Aerith, Aerith will often have his Mage Hand hold his cigar for him while he's doing something else with his two hands. Um, hold yeah, your, and like, hold your next arrow, man. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah, just like load your load your bow faster and all um, an hour already. That's the thing in um I can bring up again one of my favorite daughters, Brent Weeks. Um there's an assassin in his thing called uh Scared Rabble. He's uh, named he's named after the bird because he's got scars and his particular skill is he can perfectly imitate voices. Um and he's an expert archer and what he does is he uh, uses his magic called the talent that um these assassins have to manifest like spectral arms and they hold like three arrows either side of him while he's shooting and he's like boom shoot and then the spectral hand hands him another arrow and he just draws and shoots so like he has like six arrows going at once and he doesn't need to like all he needs to do is pull the string back every time there's no grab it from your quiver load it bring it literally like a machine like an arrow machine gun and he just like rains arrows on people it's so dumb. i kind of wish there was some mechanic baked into the astral monk for that that'd be really cool because mm. you can summon extra arms with that really oh awesome. yeah i'm like if you're, there's a game called the shura's wrath and you're basically a very 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 angry astral monk that's very cool yeah uh yeah that's that's just an idea i had i wanted to make a grappling hook a la Batman or Assassin's Creed Syndicate or something like that, but I didn't want it to be too techy, too modern. Yeah. Um, and the idea of blending or mage hands seemed really good. I had an idea. I haven't quite worked it out. But I had an idea for like a bunch of uh, like a thieves, um, a thieves guild that use uh, that use these things, and they specifically make them themselves. They make them within their own organization, so it's mm. not something you can buy in a shop. It's something that these thieves use. Um, Very Assassin's Creed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they just that's how they get around rooftops and stuff and they can pull themselves to different rooftops and out a window or up to a window or whatever they need to do that's cool yeah. that's uh I, I love that a lot um so i think this is one i've actually probably not told you because it's been a fairly recent thing but it's actually an item one of my players um wanted to commission so uh one of my players uh start is about to hit gunslinger so he's, he's starting to experiment with like air with ammo and stuff um and they killed a frost giant zombie recently and he got uh, I think like pieces I think he took its heart 
um, when they killed it. Of course. And uh, he brought it to this guy in uh, in the capital city market who's an artificer. Um, and he uh, said, like, yeah, give me a week and I'll make you 10 magic coal bullets. Um, but I, I, I didn't want to just give him coal bullets because that's a bit boring, right? And and particularly because uh, Frost Giant Zombie, no, that's no mean, uh, that's like, that's no mean feat killing that. Like, that. those things hit hard. They are very nasty. Um, so I was like, you know what? Like, I don't want to just, give, I want to do a bit of a twist. So I call this Frostbite Ammunition. Um, so it's uh, crafted from the essence of the heart of a Frost Giant Zombie by Alston Bodyknock. Uh, these shells are cold to the touch, have arcane sigils of freezing and breaking carved into their casings, and the head of the round is a sickly blue threaded with veins of jet black, giving a hint to its sinister origins. When you successfully hit a creature with one of these shells, they take an additional 1d4 cold damage and 1d4 necrotic damage. Ooh, oh, because it's a, it's a frost zombie giant. Yeah, cool, I like that, yeah. Yeah, that, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I was quite, I like those a lot. I think this is very cool. So, like, like when I, when I was trying to open, I was like, I can see, like, I was like, I can like see the like magic bullet in my head. Like, uh, what actually kind of gave it a lot of inspiration for is, uh, do you ever hear the myth that they, that, that they use an ice bullet to kill JFK? Uh, yeah, they melted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, that's what I couldn't find. Yeah, uh, but like, there's a really shitty movie. I can't even remember the name, but but one of the characters is like an assassin. He has ice bullets in like goes. And he like pulls open the the slot for the thing, and you can and he pulls out the thing, and you can see it, and it's literally just a bullet casing with like this like crystal blue, like round in it, and like as soon as he was like, oh, I want to make like ice ammo, I was like, that popped into my head straight away, and then as mm. soon as I was like, oh, but it's a zombie, oh, we can do something like different with this, and I just like immediately thought of like the same thing, but it's got like looks like infected vi- or like dead veins almost yeah. going through the ice, and I was like, ooh, that would be cool. There's some really nice uh, black and blue visuals that come to mind. I also, I don't know what it is. I I, I did this with a with a uh, an Avengers bow that was like an ice bow in our first campaign, and I love the idea for. I don't know why. I just love the idea of frost ammunition or frost arrows, or whatever. You ever see like an airburst round? Uh... Like, no, they, so that they, there's this there's like smart there's smart ammunition. There's this shortly to be on discovery called future weapons. Oh my god, um, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. It's it, it. That was like the one. There was like that bullet storm gun that fires like a million rounds in a second or something stupid like that. Yeah. Well, this this one was like this. Uh, they're like these. I don't know what they are. Thirty millimeter cannons, something like that, that mount onto naval ships, uh, and they're re- they're relatively small cannons. They're about the size of a person, you know, um, standing up, and then they have like a or five or six foot long barrel. Um, but then the ammunition was smart in that you could set it two different ways. It would fire like a regular bullet, and then it, as as a single piece. It would impact a wall and punch a hole through it. And they had this like rebar concrete test wall that they did it on. And it did, it punched a hole clean through it, but it was a hole that was about a foot around. And I'm like, that's pretty good if you want like a, like a straight precision shot. And they're like, all right, what if you want to just absolutely like bring this place down to crumbles, you know? Uh, and if you set the bullet the other way, they are smart enough that they know to burst and they explode into shrapnel like six feet or like 12 feet or whatever from their target christ so it goes so it fires and then it splits and then it just arcs out like a like a cone um and that the, when they did the shots on that the it was like a six foot wide diameter area um and it, because it was like i don't even know how to describe it just imagine just like a like a shotgun buck like buck shot and thousands of like fragments are hitting this concrete and penetrating just as hard as a single shot but 
they're hitting like dozens and dozens of other smaller holes and as a result because there's multiple hole punctures the rest of the wall crumbles away because its structural integrity is gone so it's a bullet um, that's a shrapnel bomb yeah exactly yeah and i don't know why for some reason i just imagine the bullets coming out that you're describing now firing but then like again 10 feet before their target they air burst and then just sh like scatter cold and like black fragments all over their enemy you know? are you familiar with what a dumb dumb bullet is uh, it sounds very familiar. Uh, one of them is used to kill Michael Collins. That's why it sounds familiar. Um, but they're basically bullets that default. I think they're like, I'm going like, to, anyone who knows what they're talking about, about guns and bullets is going to think I'm a fucking idiot here. But from what I understand, they're like bullets that like specifically break up and deform on impact to do more damage. Um, oh, they're designed. Yeah, I know the yeah. ones. Yeah, they're designed to, they're, they're designed to fragment once they enter your system like so once they hit you Something they like break that, yeah. apart and that way then it's not as easy they're, for someone trying to save your life like, to pull the individual fragments out as far as i'm aware they're literally banned under the geneva convention like yeah it's like uh, those three-way knives yes those are goddamn terrifying because you cannot yeah, stitch like, the hole exactly yeah. and like that's that's the purpose of those bullets you're describing as well where like the purpose of them is to do as much damage as possible and make it as hard as possible for someone to fix that damage yeah um, but yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of what I had in, in envisioned when I was like democratic and the thing. So it's like you get hit and the ice burrows in, and then like democratic, then it's like a secondary explosion almost. Like the, the ice, yeah, yeah. the ice like impacts democratic energy. Yeah, like the ice, it's like the ice impacts and gets it inside the target, and then democratic pulses. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. cool. I can, I can imagine like a bullet hole, and then like a split second after the impact, you're like you see the bullet hole, or whatever, and then it's just like a, a um, what's called like a spider web of black veins that spread out from the yeah, exactly, from the absolutely, exactly what I'd envisioned with those. That's um, really cool. Yeah, though that's uh, that's one of the cool ones. Like it's cool, um, because that player is now is like aware and, and very much going down the gunslinger thing. They're they're doing, I think they're doing almost like what a part like Percy did in season one of Critical Role, where it's like, oh, like I can, I can just make things now. Like I can just make new weapons, and like we're fighting monsters, I can just take bits of these monsters, and like because of the yeah. magic item crafting rules in in D and D, if you're willing to put the time in, you're willing to put the gold in, and you have the you have the special sauce that's the bit of the monster, um, and you have the required proficiencies, you can just do that. And he's like, yeah, the proficiencies he has, um, and like, yeah, like specifically like. In the heart of a frost giant zombie, of course I'm gonna make him like fucking ice bullets. <laughs> that's very, very cool. Uh I also that's that's the thing I told you before the podcast that I, I started kind of uh throwing together some of my uh spreadsheets for mm. um let's say spe uh, specific ammo types, uh like whether they're arrows or bullets or whatever, crossbow bolts and so on, or um or whether they're augmentations for other weapons or potions and stuff like that. Um but yeah, uh, varying elemental arrows and stuff like that are absolutely on that on that list as well. I think I think it just adds, it gives me really good like Hawkeye slash Green Arrow vibes when you could be like, hmm, what are we gonna use now? Fire arrow? No, let's go acid arrow. And then you you, yeah. you know you're you're picking your arrow specifically for moments. That's like part of the reason why I like arcane archer so much. Yeah, that's very much meant to be. I, there's there's don't get me wrong, I have my problems with arcane archer. I think it's a little underpowered uh, underpowered in a lot of in a lot of ways, but um. But I do like that Arcane Archer is very much that. It's like, here, pick a bunch of different specialty arrows that you have, and you can fire those and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, you could do a really cool, um, uh, just because it popped in my head, like uh, Hawkeye as an artificer. Just uh, yeah. Re Reflavor the gunsmith. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That'd be very cool. Uh, shall I go again, seeing as you had to go twice when I was <laughs> Googling oh, One Piece fine. thing? Um, all right, I will give you a choice. Uh, so I have... 
a disposable weapon, uh, an oil, a permanent magic item, or we can, or I have uh, a couple of post-its on a uh, Celt slash Viking area that I'm building out at the moment. Uh, I'm interested because we we come to blows about this so often. I'm interested about your disposable weapon, sir. <laughs> okay, so this is um, so the disposable weapon um, this is actually something that was made uh again actually uh, crafted himself by um our soon to be gunslinger. Uh, so it's called the Silver Smoke Bomb, and it was crafted specifically in response to the fact that they were fighting lycanthropes. So I they're... already love the name so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so there is um, it's it's a it's a wondrous item, uncommon because it's it, it's um, it's literally nothing very special. Um, but it's like a, so it's an innocuous looking black and grey ceramic ball with a mixture of sawdust and minuscule silver filings. Uh, when broken, a 10-foot radius cloud of sawdust and silver fills the space, heavily obscuring the area and lasting for 1d4 rounds or until dispersed by a strong uh, wind or gust of air. Any lycanthropes caught within the dust must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw or be poisoned for one hour. Um, and then it has a, it's a projectile that can be used uh, with a range of 30 feet. So that was created um, by, again, our, our pirate rogue um, because they just knew that they were they were going after lycanthropes. So he went out to the market, went to a jeweler, um, when they were buying rings and we're like do you have any like scrap silver like filings or anything? Silver, like, yeah, yeah. Or anything like that and it was like and it caught me off, I'll be honest completely caught me off guard and I was like um yeah he would yeah why and he was like can I buy you like a pail of silver filings and I was like yeah I just, like I don't see why like you have the gold I don't see why a man wouldn't sell you his like scrap silver if you're just giving him money for it and he was like cool is it and his inspiration was um, I don't know how historic accurate is but apparently ninjas had a thing called I believe it was called a Mitsuboshi or, uh, but it's basically a, 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 an egg an eggshell it's painted black and filled with a combination of like iron black sand and broken glass and they would just like throw it at someone's feet big cloud horrible cloud that you breathe in like hurts you and damages you and like blinds you and then they can kill you um, and it's sort of basically the same idea. It's like it's essentially like a small fog cloud that is peppered with like airborne silver, so that yeah. if lycanthropes are around, they fail the conject, then they're just they're poisoned. They take the poison condition for the next hour. That's uh, it. Kind of is this? This isn't the same person who's playing a blood hunter as well, is it? No, but they are in the same party. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, because uh, if uh, it reminds me very much of the dimeridium bombs in The Witcher Three, which Ooh. are. Dimeridium is like the anti-magic metal in The Witcher, um, and they basically they would basically take like filings or like a dimeridium dust, put it into a bomb, and you throw it, it explodes in an area. And if like certain magical creatures like specters and, and ghosts and stuff like that pass into it, it forces them into a, a solid state. And yes, then, yes. They, they can't they can't be incorporeal. It makes them so it means you can hit them with your sword then rather than your sword mostly passing through. So them. I've I've not played a whole ton of Witcher Super. I did watch a good bit of Jesse Cox, but is that like that? I think is this is it Axie where you do the three symbols on the ground and like banshees and stuff when they get into it you can actually it's, like physically it's, hit them. It's Yerden. Yerden, sorry, Yerden, which is yeah. by the way, that's a really cool like spell slash ability name Yerden. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. No, I just writing down what you said there reminded me of something I have to. I, I we left to have a chat off air about. Um, it's just a funny story. Um, cool. Yeah. No, I I'm, I like that. And uh, what's really cool is um, I really stealing that. By I, the way, that's really really good. Oh yeah, you're welcome to. Um, <laughs> but I I realized and then in, it's like it stupidly informed my players of it. But uh, back before back early on they got a, a magic item called the the necklace of adaptation, 
which is basically like a collar you put on and lets you breathe in any atmosphere. Um, it what it also does is it it makes the cloud kill spell completely inert to you. Um, which is a super cool and super situational use. Um, which is I think that's a really good thing for like a low level magic item as well. In that like it gives you a good benefit, but it also has an additional benefit that's only very situationally specific, and you might forget about it until the time it comes up. Um, and what they what, what they realized, and I was just kind of using it to myself out loud while I was on like a video call DMing, which is probably a bad idea. I probably should have saved that thought till you know after the session. But I was like, huh, that lets you breathe in any atmosphere. I was like. Morgan, if you were to detune that necklace of adaptation and give it to Tharston or, or Lycanthrope Bloodhunter, it'll let him bleed, breathe through cloud kill. Like, I'd have to let him be okay in the middle of that silver fog. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I was like, do you know what? Because, like, it doesn't even do, cause it doesn't do damage, it just poisons for an hour. Like, cloud kill does damage. Like, mm. uh, and it was just like, Ah, oh, okay, so cool. Now the inherent uh, downside of using that item uh, is kind of nullified for the party. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, when he, he would have normally had it, not been able to enter that 10-foot area yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, so I, I, I've, I've this week learned maybe keep some of my thoughts to myself when I'm DMing. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait until the players ask you and then you could be like, yeah, oh, whatever, I guess that would work, sure. <laughs> I'm going to write that down, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, That's really good. I do. Li I love the idea of. Um, again, it's very like the Dimeridium bombs, which, but I mean, like that was something I loved using in The Witcher as well. It's fun. It's cool to have like an anti-magic because technically the Witchers, as much as they know a lot about magic, they're not really magic users. They have the signs, but those are equivalent to cantrips. Mm. So the idea that you could be like, here is something that will cancel out magical effects. They also have like I, I implemented it in our previous campaign, Dimeridium shackles. Yes. Um, which are basically your anti-mage. You can't cast spells while you have these shackles on you um, or do any magical effects. Uh, and it's a way of like, because otherwise when you think about it, it's very hard otherwise to like imprison uh, a mage of any kind in a D&D &D world. Yeah, especially something like Misty Step or something like that because like, <laughs> okay. like you pointed out before, Misty Step, you only yeah. need to be able to see where you're going. That's only that. That's the only component of it. Like. There are ways and means around everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, that that is true. I uh, yeah, the Dimeridium shackles. I I actually nearly had forgotten about them. Aside from the fact, funny story. Uh, we tried to get a pair of those through the end game battle, and uh, uh, our, oh, our, our, our our sorcerer decided the best way to do that would be to go to the main city we've been operating out of for quite some time and try and get arrested when they wouldn't give them to him willingly. <laughs> He has to buy them, and then they're like, no, we only have like three pairs of these, and we need them for the city, so, because they're very rare, so no, we're not going to give them to you. He's like, I'll give you 5,000 gold, and they, they tapped in the car, was like, they're not for sale. So he's like, well, I guess you're just going to have to put some on me, so, because I'm going to attack this house right now. And there was a family inside that house, and he's there casting, casting shatter on the no, structure. No, 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 he cast earthquake. <laughs> I thought it was shatter he cast. I'm, I think he cast a full I'm, earthquake. I'm, no, I'm, earthquake, I'm, Oh, maybe not. Yeah, probably was just shattered. Actually, no, <laughs> like it was. It was like he he did it a couple. He did it once, and all the windows and stuff yeah. blew out. And then he did it a second time, and the, it, the house actually started like collapsing in on itself. And there was a father who like opened the door and held the door frame bravely, so his his children and his wife could like run out. And he's like, "Go, go, go!" And they all ran out of the house, and it luckily didn't collapse on them. But at that point, then they weren't even like, "Let's put some handcuffs on them." They yeah. were like, "Okay." Get your fucking crossbows, lads. This guy's attacking our city. So they got a firing squad and started shooting hails of bolts yeah. at him. 
the, the moral of the story is be prepared for your characters to go after any magic items that you just happen to mention in passing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, cool, yeah, uh, so do you have... Oh, oh, do I get to choose again? Uh, yes, please. Okay, this time I would love some of that lore. Lore? Okay, that's what we got here. Okay, I've got... I've got... Okay, I got one here I can do. I got two. One, one's a quick one. So I mentioned this before about um, that you're, you're kind of aware of this already. Um, I wanted, because my world is kind of, again, that 1920s vibe, um, and, and the industrialization of, which is more like 1800s, but still, uh, of the world had uh, the formation of, um, I'm blanking here, help me out, um, workers' unions. Yes. Um, and I wanted to blend the idea of like workers' unions and trade unions and stuff like that with the idea of guilds in D and D. So I created this idea where um, there are all these different, uh, for some some of them are mundane as well. There are all these different unions of workers in various industries. So, for example, um, one of the ones you guys have dealt with firsthand uh, is the Tappers Guild, and the Tappers are involved in water, uh, water providing water to towns and settlements. Um, so they'll dig wells in certain towns. They'll sometimes, if they're in town, they'll pump water up from underground caves. Uh, they'll if uh, there was one town you were in called Caspier, where there was no pure water, it was surrounded by the sea on one side and mangrove swamp on the other. So they actually pumped the seawater and then distillated all the salt out of it and then used that to to provide the town with drinking water. Um, but yeah, the tappers. I, I have all these colloquial names, so it's not just like the water makers guild or anything like that they're called tappers because it's more of a colloquial thing mm. uh, that's a great name have... for that as well tappers yeah uh i was i was really happy with it um that was like the first one i came up with then i also have the i have a couple of others like the uh like the croppers which are farmers of all sorts and they they've again the idea is that they've kind of come together um so that they're like hey we can if we all band together and we say either you treat us all the same and you give us equal rights and stuff like that, then we can get a really good business coming and people won't be going to undercut us and stuff like that. And we can all live pretty, pretty solid, uh, comfortable lifestyles. Uh, so you, you won't ever get any farmers who are like not being given fair pay for their, their stuff. And most farmers would be because you can just sign up. Um, they'd be like, they'll make sure like other farmers, like if someone... Uh, who I don't know ran a restaurant or a business or something like that tr selling food in a marketplace and they were refused to play pay one of their farmer suppliers properly. Other farmers would be like that's fine. None of the rest of us, none of the rest of us are going to sell it to you now. You know, so it's about yeah. just keeping things in line like that. But I have the croppers, which are farmers. I have the muckers, which are all about um, waste. Definitely, <laughs> oh. they they work the sewers and stuff like that. So they will build sewer lines, manage them, clean them. Some towns aren't big enough for sewer lines. So um, some of them, rarely enough, but sometimes if they're very lucky, you might find an Atyog that you can imprison in a, in a cavern beneath the town, and they'll have a very simple sewer system where all the pipes flow into one chamber and the Atyog just has a field day feasting on all that horrible stuff. Um, there's also, I reskinned um, the glowing, giant glowing beetles in the player's handbook, I believe they are, um, as uh, giant dung beetles. Oh, cool. Um, and some other places will be like, okay, we don't have, there is no pipes, basically. People will fill an outhouse or something like that, and then the Muckers Guild will come around with a cart, and they will fill it all into the cart, and then transport all that stuff to one 
uh, again a pit where they will splash all that into the pit uh, but then the beetles end up consuming it pooping it out themselves but what they produce is like uh, fertilizer and stuff okay so once they've consumed the waste and then put it through their system it comes out purer and with as a kind of fertilizer that can then be used elsewhere and it's all just about managing waste and, and just getting rid of waste um oh, that's i really also cool. have uh, the splinters which are basically um lumberjacks uh, but also lumberjacks but also foresters that they plant new forests after they're done and there's a lot of druids that work within that industry as well um the criers guild which are basically um me the media their newspapers oh yeah <laughs> um because uh, they, they've evolved from being town criers where they grow up to the middle of a square and go hear ye hear ye such and such has happened and instead now they actually have proper like where you are now there's the um uh what's it called something i can't remember the name of the newspaper it's in the Watsons we play but there's a newspaper called the something gazette um uh, i'll have to i'll have to bring it up it's in I, I, God, oh, I, it's, it's just been, it's been a while since we've come across it. I think the last time it was when we killed those, um, those demons in that, um, in that like nightclub, wasn't it? Oh, it's, it's called the, the Azure Gazette because uh, the lake that Temer, the, the city you're in is called Temerai. It's built on a lake and on a river called the Azure Lake and the Azure River. So the, it's called the Azure Gazette. Is the newspaper of the town you're currently in. So each, each crier's guild would have their own, uh their own newspaper name but they're all again they're unionized and they they share information as well um then there's also the trawlers guild which is just a fisherman's guild mm-hmm. um the wreckers guild which is a rarer one but it does come up and that's basically they're treasure hunters and shipwreck salvagers cool so they they will sail around and they will pull up old shipwrecks and harvest take the gold if there's gold and stuff like that you know treasure but also they'll just make use of whatever kind of scrap they can get out of they're not as big a guild but they do exist as well um, that one's that's one idea. Actually, uh, the the other one I have here is uh, so this is a town idea I had, and you guys haven't come here yet. It's in Redalia. If you haven't come to it yet, I think I told you a little bit about it before. Where this is basically a um, it's a blend of Bordeaux in France because uh, Redalia is French. Uh, it's like a French motif. Um, so it's a blend of Bordeaux, where all those fantastic wines are made, and also of Lourdes. Uh, which is obviously an important religious site in the in the south of France, um, and as a result, there is this plateau in the eastern part of Redalia that is a, a religious town, and it was built up around this spring, kind of like the one that's in Lourdes. Okay. Um, and it's it was a site where like a holy relic fell, and as a result, the water there is very pure, and it's supposed to have all these uh, very good rejuvenation properties and stuff like that. And they use that water. Uh, there's this this uh, monastery of monks there. Uh, that use the water to brew wines and they grow lovely grapes and again the grapes grow really healthy and fresh and delicious because of all the the celestial energy in the area um and then they are you uh, going to tell me that uh you've put holy book fast in your game uh it's essentially (laughs) holy book fast um but yeah it's uh they basically make this this wine that's very famous all over the kingdom and even other kingdoms uh, and it's only produced there and can only be produced there and it's really rare as well because only so much of it can be produced they have a limited amount of water that emerges from this spring at any given time uh, also they're really concerned with maintaining the purity of it so they're not going to heavily industrialize this process it's very it's important to keep it pure and it's something they do uh, and basically i've made it so that all the monks that live in this monastery and make this are also uh way of the drunken monk oh cool Yes, because uh, I I wanted to fit that in. So they're they're all fantastic fighters, and they've defended this plateau monastery that they brew within for centuries, because they've all taught themselves to fight, 
uh, and they create this and sell this on. So the town is like a it's a holy uh, it's a holy site, um, and people you know people travel there. Some people want to learn from the monks. Some people want to go there for religious reasons. Um, but it's basically it's basically very much like Lords and Bordeaux mashed together. No, that's the, I really like that idea, particularly the, uh, the the drunken master monks that are brewing it. I I, I love that I love that idea. It's a it's very like yeah, Buckfast Abbey meets Jackie Chan. I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I wanted to uh, I wanted to like I don't I feel like drunken way the drunken master is like it's hard to put into a game. It's one of those classes where it's very narrow in scope. So it's very hard to put into a campaign without being like, oh, I'm the waster alcoholic party member. Also, I can fight. Uh, you know, a, a bit of a different spin is, well, I'm, I'm a brewer, but there's a reason for me to brew because I'm from this monastery. But also I, I learned to fight because we defend our monastery there's and a, all of our holy water. Not to go off on a tangent, but there's just based on what you said there, there's a fight coming in Naruto you're going to really enjoy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I love it. You're right about the drunken master. I think like, yeah, if you're not going to do that, I think the only real other way you could see it would be to just like straight up do like a Jackie Chan homage in your game and have like a wandering. He looks like a vagrant, and people try and like bandits are trying to like beat him up, and maybe the party see like a group of bandits like descend on this seemingly like drunk old man by the side of the road, and then he literally just like spins on his head and kicks them in the face four times and then falls over yeah. and is like, oh, I'm gonna go to sleep for a while. <laughs> you're like, that's the only way I could like. I'm sure there's other ways, but at the moment, like either doing the the, the like the, the brewer monks monastery, very um, Pandaren World of Warcraft, um, Mr. Pandaria, they're um, they're like a race of like panda brewmasters that also practice kung fu. Uh, yeah, that was the joke. Yeah, that was the joke. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not a Warcraft person, but I've seen it. And the first thing I thought was, is that. Have they just implemented Kung Fu Panda into? Yeah, yeah, that was honestly that was my first, that was my first thought as well because I like yourself, I'm not a I'm not a wow head, but I, I used to be friends with a lot of people who were. Uh, I've heard that that expansion's actually pretty good. People yeah. that got a pretty positive reception. I heard. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, I remember I actually saw a, a video recently um, of a guy who uh, levels to level cap on the starter island, completely non-passive, completely non-aggressively. Took the pacifist route, didn't join any and either the alliance or the horde. Spent his whole time on an island and all he does is he goes and he picks nuts and flowers to get the xp that's really good <laughs> oh it's it's taken him years but like um, eventually when he hit level cap it, like he became a, a whole thing a, a very much like a staple of the wild community and blizzard actually made an npc based on his character in Pandera. that's super cool it's really cool it's really cool um but actually yeah like guys like i'm, I'm sure like i i hmm i don't know if anyone may have heard of it but like this game world of warcraft um like yeah that has some super pretty... small it's a bit of an indie title yeah not really many people that are that passionate about it either uh, particularly yeah. not online um but that has that one actually... of these new uh one of these new uh games as a service models yeah yeah it, popping up all over the place one of these things an mmo i believe and uh yeah, yeah, that, yeah there's that... some sort of multiplayer aspect to it I think. yeah yeah but uh, that's got some really pretty cool world like i've, I've a very cursory knowledge like surface level of uh of wow and that's got some pretty cool world building elements in it that i think a lot of people could uh take a lot of inspiration from yeah definitely yeah uh, world of warcraft is good uh, also warhammer has some awesome stuff uh league of legends i'm just gonna stick up for here because uh, as, <laughs> as a as a game that had relatively not great lore for a lot of its a lot of its time um in the last like two three four really probably like the last five years they've really really picked up their game 
there is an interactive map of the world of Rune Terra, which is the world League of Legends is set in. I sent it to you before. Um, it's really high spec map of it, and it shows all of the territories. And you click into a territory, it'll give you an overview of the territory. And when you open that territory, there'll be four or five other dots on the map within that territory. Then there'll be like towns, sacred sites, places of importance. And you can click on those and get little stories about each of those, and go into that. And like, holy crap! Like, I'm oh, I'm absolutely looking at that for a place I'm designing right now, um, because it's got a very Grecian theme, and like it's just really really impressive and i like even if you're not a league of legends fan um of like if the game currently they're doing really amazing stuff with their lore and i would really really recommend giving it a read particularly anything that is um, written by a guy called jared rosen he writes amazing villains and amazing cosmic horror that's pretty good yeah i'm a big fan of cosmic horror and uh, <laughs> i've noticed uh, <laughs> well uh specifically there's there's actually a game I haven't played yet, but I, I, I will be playing in a few days because it's gonna be it's a free one on PSN this month. It's a uh, control, Ooh, and control yes, is like yes, yes, it's yes. it's not quite Lovecraftian cosmic horror, but it's it's rooted in the same values of the idea of like things don't make sense to you, uh, like you're kind of in the dark, you're not sure what's going on, and it's that not knowing is the horror element, um, and it's it's a, it's more it's a it's a genre that's called new weird, um, but I'm very keen to play it because I told you before I had this idea for a. Uh, a bureaucracy devil that's mm. like all about you know imprisoning people in offices basically yeah oh. <laughs> he's the guy who wants to keep you in a cubicle pushing yeah. pushing pencils oh uh, guys i made a really uh, shitty joke about that last week where i like broke up the word overtime into oh fear team a and it just went straight over your head and when i watched it did, uh, it did. It when did. i watched the episode later i just died in death <laughs> i'm noticing that a lot is you'll you'll often make jokes and I'll just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll move on because I, I didn't get it. I, 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 the moment I do not pick up on it. Uh, I'm um, sorry. It's just how my brain functions. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I love it. I think that. it's your turn, Martin. Cool. Um, right. Can I, can I make a request for that Viking uh, Celtic? Ooh, I, I was actually going to suggest it because the other things I have are relatively short. Um, actually, I, I'll give you an, I'll toss in an item with my Viking area. Um, I, you, you've, you've heard it before. Me. Very quick. Um, it's a, not a disposable item. It's called silencing oil. Uh, it's basically uh, a bottle of viscous liquid that you can use once um you can yeah it's so it's a it's it's a bottle of oil in a circular crystal container the oil can the oil can cover a medium or smaller creature along with the equipment it's wearing and carrying one additional vial is required for each size category above medium applying the oil takes 10 minutes and it lasts for an hour the affected creature then does not suffer the usual stealth penalties associated with heavy armor Ooh, that's pretty cool. Uh, it says for an hour it lasts? Uh, yeah, for an hour. Um, I actually made it for a one-shot, um, but I, I really like it, so I'm thinking of adding it to my proper campaign. Um, and that idea of, uh, of, of uh, was it you there with like an old rag, and you're putting it on like like a wax for your car, yeah. and you're just rubbing it onto your yeah. armor like that. Because I, like, cool. I was thinking about it, because like, like, it's such a common thing in D&D, where if you wear heavy armor, the penalty of having that high in AC is that you can't sneak to save your life. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, it didn't make sense to me that in a world where you have literal multiple cultures of people who are using magic in different ways, using militaries in different ways, and using militaries and magic together, that they, someone wouldn't go, Jesus, our heavy infantry is fierce loud. <laughs> you know, we should maybe do something about that. So I didn't want to do, like, I also had an idea for, like, a talisman of silence where, like, you wear, like, a medallion around your neck and it casts just silence on self. That's pretty cool, yeah. Um, but I liked the disposable thing more because that seems like something more like what a military or an army would use, you know, the cheapest possible solution. 
Um, I may also steal that one as well because that would go perfectly in uh, in the list of disposable stuff that would sell yeah. in the magic shop in my world. You're welcome to have it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, my my uh, so basically, I added a couple of new cultures as we were talking about over the last couple of episodes. And one of them, I wanted to do. I, like I'm a, I add, I added a bunch of cultures that I'm particularly interested in. Usually stuff that I've probably read their mythologies to be honest. Um, so uh, one that hits close to home and close and uh, has a place special place in my heart is um, I made a Celtic place called uh, Angvarg Tier. Uh, it's like a, a Celt slash Viking influenced place. Um, I have a, I have a couple of post notes. So just like like I said, I'm still in kind of in the process of building it out. So I've got some just some rough building blocks of it here. So yeah, it's a, it's three kingdoms ruled by a high queen high king slash queen. Uh, known for great sailors and explorers as well as bards, um, and that comes from because both in Celtic and Viking uh, cultures. Uh, your reputation and the ability to tell a story were um, very much important elements of your culture. Um, and that's why you get things like skalds, which were bards that would go out and basically destroy your reputation and rhyme. And like, it's uh, like in, particularly in as well in Celtic societies, like bards were treated very, very highly because they were teachers as well as poets. So like yeah, if you exactly, were a king, yeah. you would have a bard in your court and you would treat them very, very, very well. Because if you didn't treat them very, very well, next summer they'd leave your territory, go to another king. And then while they're at that king, they'd be like, my king is so great. The other one was shit. <laughs> like, and ruin your the reputation. Pen, the pen is mightier than the sword. Hell yeah. And like, you could absolutely just ruin a king's reputation. So I was like, oh, if I'm doing that, I'm going to write uh, sailors and explorers because it's an island nation and the Vikings are renowned sailors, even possibly making it to the Americas way before Christopher Columbus. Um, yeah, Leif Erikson, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Not entirely okay. sure. Um, but yeah, so known for, known for those. So those are the kind of I wanted to be like, what's this place known for? Because usually, even in medieval culture, like, oh, that's X land. They're known for their warriors. That's X land. They're known yeah. for their scholars. Um, so I have the uh, the royal palace was lay has laid empty since the last monarch monarch died thirty years ago, and a great beast has taken up residence in the hall, and none have been able to fell it since. Um, as a cons- as a consequence of this. They've gone ahead and created like a mini, a smaller, slightly less nice version of the King's Great Hall in the town where they had space now. And that's and like the old one just kind of sits as like a, a ghostly ruin on the mountain behind the uh, the main city that's in. Um, Let's see. Sorry, I'm literally going through posting notes now. Um, so I have my page where it's government, military, primary religion and terrain. So yeah, government, high king slash queen, uh, three monarchs that rule under them, but pay like the three monarchs who rule independently. Uh, it's sort of like the US and the president in that like in each kingdom they have their own laws and customs there's, and things. There's governors, but then there's like state level government, but then it all yes, boy, it all feeds upwards to a, f- a federal uh, yeah. level. Like, like there's there's yeah. the laws of the kingdoms and then there's the laws of the country. Is probably yeah. the best yeah. way to put it. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Yeah, great beast is taken up the hall. Uh, three of them. The military. Uh, each king, each kingdom has their own standing army that they then feed into the high king slash queen's army. Uh, primary religion. Uh, primarily uh, worshippers of uh, nature, but they do have special um, reverence for the elemental based gods. Um, right. And then terrain. Uh, a mixture of bogs, fjords, mountains, and plains. Um, and then I have one final one on culture and culture so uh, values storytelling craftsmanship wit travel and glory uh, famed for sailors boat builders explorers and bards the people there are known as vargs um, they have a, a, an equal society 
and uh, mostly a naval slash pastoral society so uh, farming fishing navy that kind of stuff and primary industries yes exactly and yep. uh, most then would live along the coast with uh, wealthy farmers in the central plains with like large holdings and large herds and that's and that's all i can tell on air because these two (laughs) also have details but my players will find out (laughs) Uh, i like that though that anytime you're reading out stuff there and every every now and again you'll you'll hit on a thread and i'm like that's so inherently celtic and it makes me feel very very homely very happy (laughs) (laughs) like you mentioned about being about it being an equal uh society and stuff that was one thing about celtic culture is that um there was no hierarchical thing between men and women in celtic culture Uh, um A woman well, no, not, not entirely. A lot, a lot less than other societies. Like yeah. In Celtic culture, um, it was it, women actually kind of got a good deal out of Celtic culture because what would happen is uh, a woman could just be successful by herself. She could be a, a, a chieftain, or she could be a warrior, or crafts or crafts person, or anything like that, and and get by on her own merit. But if a woman ever didn't want to, as well, as long as they're married to a man who has some level of merit. She, she can use her husband's merit and be that level as well whereas men had to get by on their own merit <laughs> and uh, in uh, so it, the, the specific set of rules we're talking about here was called Brehen Law, um, Law yeah. and under Brehen Law uh, a Celtic woman could actually uh, divorce her husband for infidelity mm-hmm. which is like which is crazily modern if you think about it like. yeah very very because like, it, it's, um, it's kind of a weird just juxtaposition because like fairly pretty equal society uh, women treated Quite well, actually, particularly when you compare it to um, English common law, which came in later. Mm-hmm. Um, very treated very well, uh, and then like at the same time, it's like you know they take care of each other and all that shit. Equal, so you know, women can divorce their men if they're being pricks, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, would you like to see my enemy's head I've mounted on my favorite horse neck? <laughs> but there was there's such a crazy like ex- like back and forth with Celtic culture where it's like. We love songs and poetry and art, but also I'll bury a hurley in your skull if you cross me. <laughs> uh, awesome. That's yeah. That's that's pretty perfect. Yeah. Oh god, I love it. But uh, uh, I do love. That. I do like that's like I've uh, actually I, I have the same two uh, source cultures as well with the the Kaled, who are your so the character you're playing is Log, who is uh, from is called Kaelda. His people are the Kaled, but they are. Um, they are like a, a Celtic Viking crossbreed as well. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, that's just interesting. When you were mentioning the um, the fact that the main castle is unoccupied and has been for thirty odd years, um, and now as a result, there is this lesser place where the current high king or queen uh, occupies. Uh, that made me think of like uh, of like Denethor yes. in Lord of the Rings, where it's like I, I know that person probably is the true king, but because they're not in their home place maybe their power is diminished a little bit and yeah it's, it makes like, it seem like the, like the place isn't quite running at full capacity like it should be like i haven't i haven't i don't have it written down there but like in my head you know in my head like more elements plotted that i haven't gotten to yet but like that is a source of shame for the king exactly yeah yeah is that like we cannot occupy our rightful home it's um it was actually a quest line um quite inspired by beowulf um because in beowulf uh the great hall of the king lies uh, abandoned and unused because every night they use it Grendel descends from the mountain breaks in and kills everyone um, so I was like oh what if we did the opposite where yeah he did that but then he took o- but then the monster took over the hall what would they do then what would they do if the monster like set up a nest in the hall and that's kind of the origin of that whole little pusher that I had yeah 
There you go. Uh, we're kind of coming up on time. Not quite yet, but in a bit. Uh, maybe we just do one more quick one each. Uh, yeah, I have um, I yeah, I've, I've like what well, I've an item I can give another item um, which is tied to uh, a story thing. But uh, do you want to go since I just went down about uh, Anvar tier for probably too long? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, Anvar tier tier land. Gotcha. Yes. See, um, tier is Irish for land. For those who don't know. Indeed. Um, that is yeah okay. So I have one here. It's not. It's not super fleshed out, but it's an idea I had on how to implement the subclass again, similar to the, the way it's drunken master monk. Um, so you are playing a uh, ancestral guardian barbarian, mm-hmm. um, which is a very very cool subclass. But it's very difficult, I think. It's one of those ones that can be kind of pigeonholed into I summon my ancestors, you know, blah blah blah, over and over, which is is fine. But again, it's hard to deviate or break away if you wanted to make another character of a similar class. Um, I basically there is a a faction in my world and it's only in my world because Gavin played it in a one shot um, and I like the character so much that I kind of implemented the faction properly in my world so he played a tiefling conquest paladin uh, named Senso who was a member of a group called the Gold Pact Adjudicators uh, which uh, my my lore for them deviates a little because Gavin has his own version of them in his world they're mm-hmm. similar but a little bit different uh, my version is that they're basically Judge dreads for hire. Ooh, I like that um, already. Yeah, they're they're judge, jury, and executioner. Um, and they walk, they wear black and gold armor. Um, and they're they're for hire, and they're kind of they're dedicated to the ideals of of law. They won't just take a job and do something shady, most of the time. Um, everyone has their price, of course. But um, yeah. So I had the, this idea for the gold pact, where the standard gold packs are typically paladins. Some of them are fighters. Um. What if you wanted to be a barbarian? Specifically, what if you wanted to be an ancestral barbarian? And I had this idea of playing a gold pact adjudicator who is an ancestral uh, guardian, ancestral guardian barbarian. Um, and there's a specific subdivision of the gold packs. So you'd start off as like uh, like a scribe or something like an initiate level when you join. Then you become a judge, and a judge is like the standard enough rank. At that point, you can go off and you can take missions and you can travel around and different towns can hire you to investigate and convict and then pub- subsequently punish um, people. And you can even, it's not always like executioning, they can transport prisoners and stuff as well to proper prisons. They'll basically go to a town, go, hey, do you have any outstanding warrants on criminals? And they'll be like, yeah, there's one person who is somewhere out in the forest, but we haven't been able to find him. Uh, we only have a, a few militia volunteers. So they'll send a judge out and the judge will find them uh, investigate the issue, maybe, maybe find the person, bring them in, and depending on the crime, either execute them or bring them to a larger town that does have a proper prison to imprison them. Um, and then the town pays them directly. They work for themselves, and the town pays them. Okay. Uh, so one of the the mid, middle rank is like judge. That's a simple enough one. Then there is the um, uh, there is another rank I had called castigator, uh, which is like a, another one above. Maybe you command a few people I, below you. I love that like, name, by the way. I absolutely love that name. I got it from... Uh, brand of Castigation. Brand of, brand of Castigation, yeah. Uh, so there's Castigator. Uh, and they're like, again, they're like sergeant levels. If you're talking about like police, something mm-hmm. like a sergeant. Um, then you have uh, a tribunal. And a tribunal is a very specific... It's, it's, like a, it's kind of on par rank-wise with a Castigator. But they're like offset they're like a sidestep in the in the hierarchy um where if you decide to be a tribunal or rather if you're chosen to be a tribunal it's because you've shown to be very loyal to the order 
and they want for you to be as basically a special agent. They want for you to operate by yourself most of the time. They don't. They want you to be as skilled as a castigator, but not having to manage people below you. And as a result of that, they want to pair you up with other people, but not living people. Okay. So instead, they have the souls of some other, maybe tribunals that have been before you, or uh, individual people that have been particularly loyal to the order and have done their job as as uh, gold pact adjudicators really loyally. Um, and they will pick two, and they will pair their spirits to you. Mm-hmm. And as such, you can summon two other judges from a past life to assist you with being Ooh. a gold back adjudicator. Ooh. And like every that. time you want to actually judge someone, or, or you want to bear down judgment on someone who is supposedly a criminal, you can go, right, uh, you'll summon both your spirits, and each of the three of you will vote on whether or not this person is guilty or not. Oh, and that works so well with Ancestral Guardian because 10th level ability consult the ancestors. Ooh, yeah. ooh, um, Connor, sorry, that's very well yeah. done. That is very Thank well you. done. Also, uh, go- I want, again, I wanted to get away from the idea of being like a savage uh, tribal barbarian and being like, what if you were like actually part of an order of knights, you know? Uh, also, Gold Pact Adjudicator is a great name. Uh, that, that, that's on Gavin. Gavin came up with that one for the for the faction and, and most of the concept behind them. I've put a spin on it myself and implement it to my world but um i'm pr- I'm particularly proud of the tribunal um rank where you go on you undergo a pairing ritual where they choose two spirits they think will work with your style of being a gold pact adjudicator who are also very loyal members and they pair them off with you and then you can be this this walking tribunal court that will uh that will instigate you know uh, law uh, and everything and wherever you go cool no oh man yeah i i like I like Judge Dredd anyway, so that naturally appeals to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, like I just the name, like sh- props to Gav because Gold Pact Adjudicator is a, such an evocative name, but it's also extremely simple. Like, yes, you make a pact with them for gold to adjudicate your yeah. your situation. Like, oh, it's, it's so, all in the title. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 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 It does what it says on the title. <laughs> <laughs> By seconds, you beat me to it. Um, <laughs> Cool. We'll, uh, I guess we're. I guess we'll kind of finish up with my last one here. So uh, yep. this is an item I call the Eldritch Circuit, and it's an item that was another player crafted item. Um. So uh, at the end of that, uh, of the second arc, my players went through. They fought um like this like mindless, Eldritch monstrosity kind of like thing that was rampaging through the city, and they killed it. And as it was dying, like bits fell off and petrified. Well, my sorcerer being clever, when bits were falling off, ran over, got it, put it in a like. Uh, put it into the bag of holding so it wasn't exposed to like the outside elements and kind of just in a void um, brought that back it was still petrified but brought that back to the city that the, uh, the, the land city that they were operating on I can't remember land city sounds like such a weird way to phrase it um, but they basically went back to their, their their quest hub for lack of a better term their quest hub city that they were living in and there was an NPC in that that they had gotten to know through various missions who was the head of the mage's college in that city she's the headmistress her name is uh, Arasanya Dan and she, um, like the Mages College is also the biggest in the country. She's pretty knowledgeable, pretty good kind of thing, like where they have artificers on call as well. And um, she was telling her about it and she was like, look, uh, let me, how about we make a deal? Let me study this and I'll make you something cool from it. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. So uh, the Eldritch Circlet came out of it. And uh, so I, I'll give you the description I wrote from it. Uh, this gunmetal silver circlet has been crafted to look like a ring of grasping tentacles angles toward the sky. Each tentacle is topped with a small purple quartz and shines dimly in the light. The circlet has five charges and regains 1d6 plus 1 charges each day at dawn. 
While attuned to the circlet, you may add the cantrip Eldritch Blast to your spells known, and you may also do the following. By expending one charge, you may cast Arms of Hadar at first level. You may expend a further charge to increase this to second level, and additional two charges to increase this to third. You may also expend three charges immediately to cast Hunger of Hadar at third level. And attunement is required. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's 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 your your players are really really good at, uh, at like really good for like going. Hey, I got this stuff of a monster. I want to make something out of it. I I very uh, well see when I abandoned the magic item shop thing almost wholesale. I was like, guys, this is how we're gonna do it. This is how oh, we're okay. getting them from out. And like, who doesn't love a good magic item? You know, and like yeah, as soon as they're all, I think like as soon as they became aware that oh, if we fight something strong, might be able to make something cool from it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, they they really they're, like I I do feel quite lucky in that um, my party is quite creative, um, and it gives me a lot to kind of springboard off of. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's also yeah, like I said, like you're saying, the springboard off of it's really really good because they'll prompt you. They'll go, I have this item. It's it like they'll take the frost giant thing for example. It's a frost giant, but also they were dead frost giants. So what can you do for that if I want to make some sort of ammo? And then you you have ammo, frost giant, death, and you make necrotic frost bullets out of it you know but it's good for, it's, it's a good exercise for you as a dungeon master to kind of flex those creative muscles when they go hey here's three prompts based on an item i have Do you go dm go oh that might be a cool idea uh, you, I, 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 I said it and didn't even think of it, and then when you went, oh, I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's like that time when we both realized we were both cursed by werewolves <laughs> at the same time. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally at the table, we were like, why are we acting so weird? And then both of us were like, and I swear to God, you're like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, and then both of us went, werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh good, good times. Oh, cool. But Martin. Yes? That's all the time we have for today. Uh, that's a. I I I can't pretend to be shocked right now because you did warn me about ten minutes ago, but yeah, yeah. that was that was a lot of fun. Um uh, particularly fun for me to get a little glimpse behind the curtain. Um because we get to I get to show a lot in this because uh you're not in my campaign, uh but you're under a little bit more of a, a spoiler limitation and you're doing a really good job of not Tom Hollanding it. Uh, thank you <laughs> thank you for putting it that way as well uh yeah no it's uh, but i mean like there's a lot of stuff i don't mind sharing like that whole village you guys haven't been to yet but it's not like it, it's a very famous enough place about that plateau with the monks and stuff like there's some stuff that i don't mind sharing frankly i like sharing because i don't know if you guys will make it there and i like you knowing from a player perspective uh that there is more out there you know yeah uh and maybe you maybe you just decide hey Okay, let's just go here for no reason at all, other than to see this cool place yeah. of monks and wine and stuff. Uh, purely from when uh, we did a little skip and you said that like Arkham went to, um, no, I don't think it was Boshi, but you mentioned Boshi uh, and it, like Gaoyan. Gaoyan, yeah. Yan, yeah. But ever since you mentioned that, I've been like, someday, someday we're going there. I Boshi, will, I, will, I will force the party to go where it needs me. I want to see what this is about. <laughs> Uh, I, I will actually I, I'll add that to my list of stuff here and maybe next time we do one of these um, uh, world building just run through some ideas we had uh, maybe next time we do that I will I'll bring up Boshi City Glass and uh, uh, and uh, talk more on that and my inspirations for it yep. uh, if you have any questions you'd like to ask stories you'd like to share or topics you would like to have us talk about uh, please tweet us at MikePlayersPod on Twitter there on the lower screen mm -hmm. uh you can also find our podcast on youtube and spot you can find the podcast on both youtube and spotify 
Um, Martin, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, uh, you'll find me on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, so sorry, it's over, which is boom about there. Um, and again, our, you can find our um, Twitter handle for the podcast there. Please shoot us questions, uh, episode topics, anything you can think of. Even if you just want to have a chat, hit us up. Um, and yeah, uh, that's kind of about it, really. Um, I'm planning on getting back into Twitch a bit more um, now that we've got a, a new modem and it won't just like be a slideshow. Uh, as it was the last time I tried to stream Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and you can find me there, hopefully, at presenting slideshows at uh, twitch.tv slash mert. That's M-U-R-R-T. Cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZeroPointConnor, Z-E-R-O-P-O-I-N-T-C-O-N-O-R, one N, very important. And as always, every Friday here at 6 p.m. Uh, Irish time on the Mike Flares podcast. Slash friends. So, Martin, thank you for joining me. Thank you all for joining us. Bye. See you next time, guys.